Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mr. Rich Rebar. We're going to be talking the NFL draft and some of Rich's favorite prospects. We will also be hitting on the late breaking news that Julio Jones could be an offseason trade candidate. But first, Richard, how are you? How does it feel to be back in these NBC streets? You know, I'm, I'm not in the comfy, you know, confines of the studio where, you know, I w- would come and join you guys in the past. But, you know, we're almost through here. We're rounding third base. Uh, and the situation we've all been placed in, uh, you know, over the past 15 months, we're almost home. I, I'm a, I'm a double vaxxer. I, I think it's cool <laughs> to like say that now you have to, you have to declare it and tweet your card. I believe that's, those are the rules. I did not you do that. Do. So I've already broken uh, the number one rule of tweeting it out, but. Uh, Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Mark Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Outdoors, we're getting outside again. We're going to be able to see some people. The draft is here this week. I'm not going because of our life, you know, our situation where we have to work during this, you know, period. Yes. You know, you guys know during <laughs> real world days of writing blurbs, anytime one of these big weekend events happen, you're working throughout the whole weekend, you know, uh, 
as Denny will find out this year. Say, Denny uh, will <laughs> find out in very painful fashion. There are no free lunches draft weekend. And, uh, in fact, uh, there's no lunch, period. Uh, right, you just no. don't really get to eat. Uh, you, you told me I, I'm, I'm not allowed to eat from Thursday night until <laughs> late on Saturday. So I'm, I am preparing to fast. Most importantly, I want everyone to know that Rich is wearing a Watchmen t-shirt. <laughs> and, and I think that that, along with, along with him, uh, you know, having football knowledge and that's new to this show, you know, uh, also wearing a Watchmen t-shirt is, is, is fantastic. It is fantastic. Danny, you hit on something there is some people might know as part of your, you know, NBC at will employment agreement, I am allowed to put you on intermittent <laughs> fasts. And yeah, so uh, you're not allowed to eat. Uh, you can have a little water between six and 7 PM Eastern on Thursday. And after that, you can't have anything. I, I personally love the free market. Yeah, that's that's something I enjoy. Rich also hit on something important. Are, are we Moderna men or are we Pfizer hive? Um, I'm Pfizer hive. I'm Pfizer hive. Uh, Rich no, is contrarian, so yeah. Listen, I took whatever they were going to stick in my arm. I didn't ask any questions. Uh, my <laughs> wife was Pfizer. She got hers. You know, her hers. She's a teacher, so she's been done for months. But, Jen's hey. a good lady. I took the first available uh, appointment I could get. I was literally just banging the internet looking for cancellations, and I was mm-hmm. looking for the first sign up I could get, and I wasn't asking any questions after that. Yeah, I took the, the, the Antarctic government vaccine, which I've heard has not really been tested very much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but not asking any questions, that's what makes us all sheep. Uh, I think that, that <laughs> in the end, that's my arm was sore when the tracker kicked in uh, the next day. Uh, I was a little I sore when the, tra- when the tracker activated, but we're doing good now. It, it took, you know, 36 hours. Yeah, thankfully, I coughed mine up. So that was good. So I got best of both worlds. I got the vax and the trackers not inside me. So uh, uh, do you guys have a tail yet? I'm starting to get a tail. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to the draft, by the way, uh, one thing I like about Rich is that he has, actually has like interests outside of football. Yes. Uh, Sunday night was the Oscars. Uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins was asleep at 8 p.m. Pacific time. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to ask you about that, but this is actually leading into a question about Denny, even though I was talking about Rich. Is this Denny? Have you ever seen a film released after 1988? And if so, was it less than the sixth installment of a horror franchise? <laughs> Who has time? To, you know, I know I, I haven't seen a movie since 2012, if that's what you're asking. And I, I have no idea. I have no idea which movies won last night. I, you know, I, I thought about, should I make a good faith effort to come into this show with some knowledge of relevant movies? <laughs> I, and and I, I, don't, I don't have any knowledge. Can I cannot name one movie that won anything last night. I can't name a movie that came out in the past calendar year. So I think I spooked Denny I, when I mentioned I might have an Oscars opening. He did seem like he wanted to prepare last night. I was like, no, you don't need to yeah. prepare. Um, the last movie um, we saw, 2012, Steven Spielberg's Lincoln, by the way. Me too. No, I, was, I said I said you. Right. No, <laughs> no, 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 no that, that, that's honestly, that's the one we saw right before my first kid was born. And then that was it. That's the last movie. There you go. You're a dad. Uh, sorry, Rich, you, you had some movie thoughts there real quick? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tuned in a little bit last night, but I I mean, like Danny, I mean, I have not watched a lot of this year's, you know, movies. I mean, who who even knew there was new movies uh, that Good weren't point. movies that, you know, that you're supposed to see with like friends and kind of drink and dunk on, you know, like Mortal Kombat and Congress. Because I haven't even watched those at home because we used to have like a, a mandate every Tuesday night uh, when we were seeing people, uh, our local theater would have $6 movies on Tuesdays. And 
the local watering hole next to it had dollar canned beers. So oh like a, me and a group of guys would always get together every Tuesday. It'd be like our weekly checkup. We'd see a movie, even if it was bad or good and, you know, drink like four or five beers. Like afterwards, it's like a, a $12 day. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, those are movies we would have totally seen like on those Tuesday night, $6 specials, like moral comment stuff. But like at home, like that's not the kind of content I want to devour at home. I want to, you know, you're home alone. You That's when you start getting in touch with your feelings and you start watching <laughs> movies with a little more depth. But uh, I actually did not see a lot of the movies that were up this year. Uh, you know, shame on me. Uh, the newest movie I saw that came out this year was Tenet. Uh, which I did rent. That was as new as it got. And, you know, if you are a Christopher Nolan fan, it is the most Christopher Nolan of Christopher Nolan movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I but yeah, I, I'm behind That I have, did not know a single person who has seen Tenet, but Rich has. That's why we have Rich on the pod, because he's seen Tenet. Was that Inception so, 2? Is that what it is? It is. It's basically a Christopher Nolan. It appears to be him incepting himself, essentially. <laughs> Okay. And uh, like, it seemed like he'd been working on a script for probably like five decades and making it more confusing with each passing decade. Basically. But as far as new releases go, the the most things I've seen have been children's movies, probably like you guys. The, crude, uh, you yeah, know. the Crudes and New Age should have won Best Picture. Everyone knows this. Um, Raya was the only movie that came out uh, in 2021. Uh, so that's all I know. <laughs> Moving on from the movies, from the films, Denny is, has pledged to watch all nine best picture nominees for the next show though <laughs> i want to get denny's official take because we want to start off with this little controversy denny what is your official stance on forrest gump wow i didn't i, I didn't you know i'm not prepared for this um well, well i'll just say forrest gump made me cry when i was eight and it would probably make me cry for different reasons now um, right i i mean okay as a distillation <laughs> of the 20th century i think it's not it's not the worst pop culture yeah you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, review of of the most important century in human history. So, um, that in, in that way, I think it's good. Um, I think I, I remember it being very long. Maybe it doesn't need to be three and a half hours or whatever it was. You know, but uh, what, is that is that a reasonable take? I don't know. The, the Forrest Gump. You want to know how long Forrest Gump was? Is the the soundtrack was a double CD album. Oh, um, my. so that my family had and listened to a lot. Um, For, Forest has been canceled in the intervening 25 years and I, I bet it it probably doesn't hold up super well but uh has it rich or how do you feel about that about yeah I mean I have been I think when, when you know when Josh used to this podcast and ask these kind of questions at the start show I've talked about it's literally the most overrated movie probably of our generation uh you know it's a movie that just has nothing to say like a lot of Zemeckis films but uh it, it's what's ironic it's literally about a guy telling a story for Tell three and a half hours <laughs> just to anyone that will listen but it actually has nothing to say i mean you think of all the complex issues that it, it just glosses over but it's nothing complex to say about any all these pivotal moments that happened throughout a lot of boomer history uh you know it could have done it could have a lot done a lot more it literally tries to play both aisles of the fence uh and ends up ultimately having nothing to say uh at all I just think we should all pledge not to rewatch it and just let our eight-year-old impressions. Eight, uh, eight, what are you talking Eight? I was like eighteen when I, I, I was eight. I was eight actually uh, when it came out. So now that I've alienated seventy-five uh, percent of the audience yeah. uh, that loves Forrest Gump, we could talk about some football players. Yeah, we've got to move on now. <laughs> Before we get to the draft, Julio Jones, both Peter King and Ian Rappaport have reported. It could be on the move. It's not a coincidence that two national reporters have received this news on the same day. It must be the Falcons kind of getting the trial balloon out there, trying to get people comfortable with the idea that this might actually happen. 
Peter King has mentioned the Raiders, Patriots, Ravens, and Titans, all as possibilities. First off, Rich, do you think this will actually happen? Second off, do any of these teams make us like not hate ourselves, the idea of Julio <laughs> Jones uh, being on the Raiders, Patriots, Ravens, or Titans? I mean, the timing of this obviously is, you know, you know, pretty suspect as we get into this week of every every news. What do we what do we even devour this week? What kind of rumors? But it should be on the radar. I mean, given the state of the, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, the, the Falcons right now have the fewest amount of players under contract for the 2022 season, uh, but only our 22nd available cap space. Uh, it's pretty wild, the situation that they've been placed in. Uh, so they definitely are a team that needs to acquire more picks and think down lines of the future, you know, of not holding a 32 year old wide receiver. Now Julio is still a productive player. I mean, last year, was the first time he missed like multiple, multiple games. He had played 14 or more games in six straight seasons before last year. He just never got over that hamstring last year. But he averaged 15.1 yards per catch. It was his highest rate since 2017. And he was still the wide receiver six in receiving yards per game last year. So as far as environments go, like no place is still as good for Julio as Atlanta is. I don't even think it I'm – I'm pretty sure that Atlanta doesn't even really have more than a handful of outdoor games again on their schedule this year. Um, the official schedule's not out, but we do know the opponents. So we always love that Julio plays indoors. Matt Ryan's led the league in completions the past years. We know there's going to be an offensive identity kind of change. Uh, really, the only place we would want him to go, because if he does get traded, it's probably to be someone terrible. Like, we don't want, like, the Bears or the Raiders, like you brought up, uh, or the Ravens, who have been trying to get a wide receiver desperately this entire offseason. We would want him to be somewhere like Green Bay or, like, Buffalo. Like, those are, like, the places we would want him to go and still be excited outside of Atlanta. Uh, but the Falcons should definitely explore trying to scorch earth this thing uh, as they turn it over to Arthur Smith. I want now that you've said Julio to Buffalo, I, I'm going to I'm going to will this to happen. Well, that just Although, ruin so many people. By the way, you don't want to ruin Gabriel Davis before he even begins. Oh, he would be ruined. Yes, he but would be ruined. Buffalo. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, he's 32. He missed nine games last year. He was really only healthy for like six or seven, like fully healthy. Tough way to start the Arthur Smith era is to trade away a legend but it seems like the right move and I, I take no pleasure in reporting this but i i do i do think that it's it is the right thing to do for the falcons right now um they're facing a difficult cap situation and that's to put it mildly um you know rich talked about the guys that they have signed through 20, uh, 2022 i i if they can if they can you know get a bunch of assets from a team that's desperate uh, to sign a, a fading aging Julio Jones. Uh, and now that I said that, of course, he's going to catch 20 touchdowns <laughs> next year, but, but, you know, I, I, I say, I say, do it. Uh, any, you know, any team, any low volume passing team would be nightmarish for fantasy purposes. We're talking about the Ravens, the Patriots, particularly. So those are two places I certainly don't want him to go. I don't know. How do we feel about the Raiders? I mean, you know, yeah. I, I know it's the Raiders, but it, I mean, does it does it feel that bad, Rich, Pat? I think, by the way, the the Patriots or the Ravens might not be as nightmarish <laughs> as people think, because he would still be like, even though the Patriots improved the receiver core in theory, even though I guess the Ravens in theory improved the receiver core, I mean, he would still be so heads and shoulders. It would be kind of one of those situations where they could funnel every meaningful yeah. look to him. And like two, you know, page both very well coached teams. Maybe I guess Greg Roman has the predictable offense, but teams that would probably figure out how to truly maximize Julio Jones. I don't know if I'd be like just like reflexively terrified of him going to the Patriots and the Ravens. I mean, the dream is obviously the Chiefs. 
guys. Uh, I, the Chiefs or the Packers are the dream, but I don't know. I don't know if like the Chiefs trade. Like, do they even have draft uh, picks to trade? I feel like they probably traded <laughs> draft picks. Uh, but is this? I think this is the right move for the Falcons. But why then was Matt or Matt Ryan like essentially locked in for this year and kind of next year? He's not really locked in for next year. I guess mm-hmm. is my understanding. I mean, did they have, I can't remember, did they have to do this with Matt Ryan for like adjust his contract for this year like this? Because if you're locking in Matt Ryan still, then I don't, maybe I feel like you should just run it all the way back with Julio Jones and like till the wheels fall off basically. But I, I don't, I guess this is the right move is basically what I'm saying. Um, I still believe they will. I still, I still kind of think this is probably a maybe what 10 to 15% true truism of happening. I think, it, I think the Falcons are going to try to kind of kick the can on this offense and they can be competitive. I mean, you look at the amount of one score games they played last year. I know that they are picking fourth for a reason, mm-hmm. but they played the second most one score games in the league last year. So, I mean, they could still be competitive, especially if you add a guy like Kyle Pitts, like they're at least going to be fun on offense. Like they'll score points. Uh, So, I mean, at least they'll have that for us. Here's a, here's a bit from Peter King's column today um, that I think, you know, it was, was, was buried. I mean, it was deep in the column, but it talked about um, the uh, GM for Atlanta, Terry Fontenot says uh, an NFL general manager told King that quote, building the roster has nothing to do with sentimentality for Fontenot and, and all to do with the current reality of the tight cap. So I think, mm-hmm. I think that's something to keep in mind. I, I, I think it, it's, it's probably way more real than it is not real. At this point. I think it is too. Cause I mean, I, I really think this is kind of like the Falcons, like trying to like condition the fan base, the idea that this might actually happen, that, to very reliable, very well-known, well-followed reporters reporting at the same day. Kind of feels like to me, this is like the Falcons like easing mm-hmm. the fan base into this. But I mean, it could also, it's going to be very difficult. So speaking to Ray, it could still end up only being like 10 to 15 because this will be like a very complex type of move. Yeah, because they can't trade him for anything in this particular draft, which is right. interesting about the timing of it is because they have to, kick the can and make it a, a post June one trade technically. So they wouldn't be able to acquire anything in this actual draft class. It had to be for future picks. So yeah, it might be more of a conditioning element. Like, like you said, we will stick with the Falcons and finally transition into the draft. The Falcons have been heavily connected to Florida tight end Kyle Pitts at number four overall uh, is Kyle Pitts, a tight end one a rookie tight end one, no matter where he ends up. Or will he like even Kyle Pitts like catch a case of like the Hawkinson and Ebron flu and not be able to do this as a a, a rookie tight end? I, I will start with Rich, the guest. Yeah, I mean, you look at it from a fantasy stance, and he's already now going as the tight end six the past week, you know, in FFPC formats, which is tight end premium, but he's going right after Hawkinson, which is, you know, I would say is quite aggressive. Uh, I'm pretty pragmatic, uh, so it's hard for me to kind of get over that mental hurdle of, like, saying I'm going to go all in on, on a tight end at that point of the, of the draft that's not established already. Like, it's one thing – I already have enough of a hard time, like, getting over the fact that, like, Travis Kelty is, like, a, a supreme – positional leverage and George Kittle is positional leverage compared to running backs at that point. Now I've got to talk myself into a guy that's never played it down in the mm-hmm. NFL. It is a little tricky because we've had some of these Uber prospects. Like you said, you look at Vernon Davis, uh, 6.3 PPR points per game as a rookie. Kellen Wins only played two games uh, as a rookie. Hawkinson, 6.7 PPR points per game as a rookie. Guys taken in the top 10 overall in their respective drafts. Uh, now, if you were to go to a place like Atlanta, I mean, 
climate control is a lot different than you think about these tight ends that have been drafted with these high draft picks. Hawkinson had a pretty, you know, safe, cushy destination, but guys like Winslow and Davis, like they were like stuck in all time bad situations regardless. So like really them producing as rookies, even if they're wide receivers is going to be tough. Uh, but, you know, you're going back now all the way in NFL history, just one first round tight end has ever hit 200 PPR points in a season. It was Keith Jackson all the way back in 1988. Uh, just five have cleared 150 PPR points. The last one to do it was Evan Ingram in 2017. So there is a talent bar that Kyle puts definitely clears where you can get is onto the board. It's just right now, Owners are paying that tax and that premium for right now. That's kind of the, the regard. I think we all know what kind of talent Kyle Pitts is. It just comes down from a fantasy stance. Are you willing to invest on something that you haven't seen yet and arguably might be paying in at like ceiling prices? And that's kind of where you have the dilemma now with Kyle Pitts in his current draft position. Taking him at, at tight end six uh, wow. means that you are banking on him going to a team, a, a pretty good offense that knows what to do with him and won't treat him as a, you know, a, a typical tight end. That's kind of a, a, a risky bet. I mean, he, he could end up like Vernon Davis going to a team that, you know, drafts a generational tight end, a unicorn, many are, many are, many are calling him, and, and, uh, uh, and, and then uses him as like an inline tight end and like really doesn't get creative with how they use Kyle Pitts that is definitely in the range of outcomes unfortunately unfortunately so I think that you know if you are being super aggressive you're betting on him uh you know landing in a great spot and I know it's weird to say a generational prospect needs a good landing spot but when you're talking about tight end I think that still applies would the, would the Falcons fit that bill? I mean, I guess we respect Arthur Smith. Um, he seemed to mostly know what to do with tight ends in Tennessee. I mean, he made the Ferk daddy a thing. Everyone, Anthony Ferk, sure, we just can't stop talking about him <laughs> this offseason. Uh, so could the Falcons – I don't think – I think probably none of us think tight end six will actually happen, right? Uh, but on the – Rich, on the Falcons, uh... would you call him a top ten – slam dunk top 10 fantasy tight end if he landed on the falcons this is this is say in this universe julio jones remains on the falcons i mean i think it's uh, objectively when you look at the layout for like places he could go it's one of the better spots i think hit there or cincinnati would be like the the top two spots and the teams in the top 10 you would talk to yourself into like having a, lot, a good amount of volume we just talked about the falcons where they are as an organization they have no way to make this defense better like right now they just need more picks to make it better they don't have enough capital to make the defense better so they're gonna play in shootouts again uh so there's gonna be opportunity their their current slot receiver is russell gage who's been a, a really solid player in the nfl but offer doesn't really offer a ton of upside so i think that he could walk into a lot of target volume listen i tried last year to kind of you know kind of bang the drum as like maybe like a hayden hurst being like a, a solid fringe tight end and that didn't happen either though so uh tight end one and that didn't really go down but you know you look at kyle pitts he's not even going to be 21 years old until october uh which is pretty bananas uh 95th percentile at a position since 2000 uh, athletically among all prospects since 2000 he's first in touchdowns per game second receiving yards per game and 15th in receptions per game in their final collegiate season uh and he's kind of he, he is maybe that that unicorn mold since we've seen from maybe Kellen Winslow, Vernon Davis, Shockey. Uh, and those guys were kind of thrown into some really tough spots, you know, especially Vern playing with Alex Smith, who had arguably one of the worst like rookie seasons of any quarterback ever in 2005. Uh, and Kellen Winslow ended up playing the two games. I think that was his motorcycle accident year, right? As a rookie. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I believe I so. so. 
Uh, and then he came back and was really good and a productive player after that. But uh, yeah, I think Atlanta would be the one destination I would talk myself into the most uh, of these top 10 teams really kind of being a good destination for him for fantasy. I, I would love Atlanta. I would also, I mean, you mentioned the Bengals. It, it seems like Jamar Chase is being linked to them, you know, re- really strongly through several reporters over the past couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, Pitts going there would be pretty great too. It, this is assuming that Joe Burrow is back to full health, you know, come week one. Um, and uh, and they continue to throw the ball at an incredible pace, which they they I think they were on pace to lead the league last year before Burrow's injury or or come within, you know, maybe top two or three. Is that am I off there? He's second in the NFL in dropbacks per game uh, while yeah. he was active, uh, only behind Dak Prescott. Just they had remember Dak Prescott was another guy who had a, a sample cut off of where they just played in like ridiculous game script games right. through the entire second half of every game the Cowboys played uh, those first right. five games. Right. The key is to get, get down by five touchdowns, uh, you know, in, in going into halftime. That's what we want. That was the formula. That was definitely the formula for, for the Cowboys last year, which was uh, great for fantasy. Not so great, you know, for the team. And that's why I think they're, you know, the, uh, the Cowboys are projected to, you know, take a defender in the first round, according to several things I saw today. So. I am told we had an illuminating conversation on Kyle Pitts uh, that I missed because my internet <laughs> dropped out. And I'm making a hostage video on my phone and uh, holding my phone in my hand, which I'm going to do for the final 15 to 20 minutes of this podcast. Uh, the next question is going to bring us to Jamar Chase. This was Denny's phrasing. He wants to know, is Jamar Chase the most can't-miss wide receiver since Calvin Johnson? And since this was Denny's phrasing, I'm going to start with Denny to either explain yeah. or defend this and then tee up Rich. Okay. So uh, Bob McGinn, he is a, an NFL draft writer and, and evaluator for, I don't know, 35, 37 years, something like that, right? So he, he's never had a, a consensus number one overall wide receiver in his whole time evaluating the draft, except for Calvin Johnson in 2007. And now again with Jamar Chase. This year, and it feels like I mean, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest draft head in the world, but it feels like Jamar Chase is is not getting like the proper hype to me uh, in, in in fantasy circles. Rich, uh, tell me what the range of outcomes looks like for a guy like Jamar Chase. I mean, assuming he ends up with with I guess the Bengals or the or the team most strongly connected to Chase right now. Am I am I off base? Is he not instantly like a top? 12 wide receiver in fantasy i mean if you go to cincinnati there's potential there uh you know you look at the amount of three wide receiver sets they've used since zach taylor who though one head coach we have no idea what he looks like i've never seen zach taylor in my life i've never seen a zach taylor press conference uh I, even when burrow tore his acl i can't remember a press conference with zach taylor like walking through the injury uh but they've used the last year they used three or more wide receivers uh on 82 percent of their offensive snaps it was number one in the league uh, they were number three in the league uh, the year prior. Some of that has been game script induced, but we know that that's an old uh, McVay and you know offensive you know type of uh, deployment. They like to use three wide receivers, like to run from single back uh, sets a lot. So if he goes there, uh, you know we and what's crazy about Chase too is he doesn't even really hurt anyone if he goes there because we have all these AJ Green targets that he would just come in and be more efficient with. I mean, you look at Burrow splits when he was targeting AJ green compared to the other receivers, even on deep throws, he was still at league average rate. You know, everyone talks about Burroughs deep ball being so poor last year, but he was still at league 
base rates, not targeting AJ Green on those throws. Um, AJ Green caught caught three targets over 15 yards in the air last year. It's pretty wow. pretty bananas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so if you can wipe away that and, re- and replace that with a young, inefficient player, uh, uh, efficient player, efficient, then, Rich, yeah, on. efficient player you're cooking with something mm-hmm. uh i will say in the context of chase like historically so since calvin johnson uh wide receivers i have graded in my own personal model higher than chase are a small handful they are Devonte adams uh michael crabtree uh justin blackman des bryant and amari cooper and then it's chase in terms of like objective draft grades the one thing that holds chase back compared to the rest of that is he's still only six six foot two and one like he's still not like he's treated as like this big alpha receiver and he is a physical receiver. Like he let he does not care if he, he wants you to put his hands on him. Mm. Uh, but he is still only 201 pounds. He's not one of these guys that's 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 hopped up, built out of Mount Olympus. Uh, but athletically, he <laughs> yeah. is. He's a super athlete, 91st percentile. Last time we seen him play in 2019, you know, he had played in that that supernova offense it's arguably the best college offense we've seen ever play uh the 2019 lsu offense he outproduced a guy justin jefferson who just had the most rookie receiving yards of any player since 1960 uh so i mean we've got that going for him uh and in 2019 he was just a a beast on downfield targets we talked about aj green he was so poor on those targets the Bengals. well chase had 24 catches and throws over 20 yards uh, on that 2019 season and he was also a bully after the catch. He had 22 broken tackles uh, per pro football focus that year too. And then one thing I like about receivers and quarterbacks in general is these guys that show up in these big games and chase, uh, you know, against Alabama that year, six, one forty and one. And then in the championship game against Clemson, nine catches, 221 yards and two touchdowns uh, against them. So, I mean, yeah, chase is definitely a guy. I think if he goes to Bengals and reunites with Burrow, it's uh, an ideal situation, but you know, a lot of these rookie wide receivers like tight ends that we hit upon typically are slower burns as well. Uh, so, I mean, you're going to have to pay probably a premium on it. Not like Kyle Pitts, but uh, it right. will be taxed. I, I'm not I'm not saying, you know, that uh, I, I don't think I'm creating a, a, a straw man argument and saying that people say, well, there's T. Higgins, there's Tyler Boyd. They're, you know, it's going to be, you know, fairly split target wise. I, I don't understand how that could happen. I, I think Chase goes to the Bengals and he dominates targets in that offense in what could be a very pass heavy offense like we like we talked about earlier he would put out the t higgins flame that would be over forever and kind of say oh no it wouldn't be over forever actually no, i don't know why i said that that's very, <laughs> very very dramatic uh he would definitely change the calculation so he's the best receiver prospect since Nikhil harry i think we can all agree on that uh i do think rich named so rich's personal database that was a very good list yeah i think he probably is the best receiver prospect since amari cooper and that, that's like kind of who he reminds me of when I watch him, like kind of like a more physical Amari Cooper, kind of like a very like, like Amari Cooper 2.0, basically, like the natural evolution of Amari Cooper, where he's built very similarly, but he's just so stout and so strong. And like Rich said, that domination was, I think, a true sophomore, right? In 2019. Yeah, 19 years old. I mean, that is crazy. McGinn, you know, in, in talking with 18. Uh, season draft evaluators McGinn uh, described him as a, a pro at 18. Like he was ready for the pros at 18 years old. You can't say that about many, about many prospects. I, I just, when I, when I see him going in best ball drafts and what the fourth, fifth round, sixth round, sometimes is that right, Rich, right around there. 
Um, I'd have to pull up the the ADP. Yeah. It's going. It, anyway, yeah, he, I, he goes I just, in that area. Higgins goes like like Pat alluded to. I mean, Higgins is right around like wide receiver twenty right now. It would absolutely put a little dent into him. Like I said, there's still enough targets because when you take just how they used that off on Tuesday, AJ Green last year to kind of go around for all three guys right. and how they use three wide receivers. But there's just no way to say it would have no impact on T Higgins. I think like, we can't say that either. I think Higgins would probably become like wide receiver, like 36 to 40. Maybe that's too dramatic, but yeah, I probably. Would... Yeah, I think that'd probably be too low. I feel like he'll be fall down to like fringe wide receiver three. Maybe you could argue more wide receiver 30 to 36, a fade of like 10 spots. But yeah, it would vary. Like T. Higgins is a guy I'm kind of planning on drafting a lot. And without Jamar Chase, uh, we would all be going back to the drafting board. I think it is fair to say. Yeah, yeah, he would definitely get knocked. Um, but like T. Higgins is also one of those guys, like when you look at his archetype, like if he can just run into like Kenny Galladay-ish type target numbers, he'll still probably be okay. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Before we get to our next question, I would like to remind our audience that an NBC Sports Edge premium subscription includes all sports. So right now you can get access to NBA, NHL, and MLB products all under the same umbrella. That includes any and all of our draft guides. For 10% off any subscription, enter the promo code GOOD10. That is GOOD10 for 10% off. Hopefully at home, you're not able to follow along with the living nightmare that is unfolding here at my house where my internet has dropped out during the pod. And then I spilled water all over my new computer, um, having the most boomerific dad day imaginable. (laughs) Uh, So speaking of boomers, uh, Zach Wilson, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Reeves, who is your favorite non-Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson quarterback prospect? Well, well, both of the, the Justin Fields and, and Trey Lance are just they're my brand. So I mean, like I'm going to be excited when we get kind of these types of players mm-hmm. when they they come into the NFL. Uh, you know, I know Justin Fields has been dragged throughout the process. I still have him as QB two. I still think he has much upside as as any quarterback in this draft. I think that even for fantasy stance, he has even probably more upside than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, I know it seems kind of blasphemous to say, but I mean, you're talking about well, just the, just the way the NFL has scored. Uh, you know, now in fantasy football, and we've seen this ha- happen so much. Uh, just look at this before we even get into the weeds on Fields and Lance as in the particulars. Uh, rushing production from, you know, NFL quarterbacks is basically, like I said, not only been my brand, but it's long been a vital component to like kind of weighing the floors for fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, this past season, uh, by far, shattered all the records for r- rushing for quarterbacks. Uh, they rushed for 
455 more fantasy points than the year prior, even last year. Uh, quarterbacks, in terms of like league averages, they accounted for 15.6 of all league wide rushing attempts, 15.5% of the rushing guard, both all time highs. They accounted for 24% of the NFL rushing touchdowns last year. By, they had 120 quarterbacks at 127 rushing touchdowns. Uh, they just went super saiyan. Is that a crowd. real stat? Yeah, quarterbacks at 127 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, the year before it was in the 80s, uh, just blew it out of the water. We're seeing you know teams use their quarterbacks more in that RPO game near the goal line. Um, and now the the transition we've had is you know back when I originally did like the Konami Code article and talked about how you could draft bad quarterbacks because their rushing made them viable in fantasy. The Tim Tebow's, the Terrell Pryors, the world, even Cam Newton outside of 2015. Uh, you know you could get these kind of perceived bad quarterbacks at a value. Uh, because uh, they raised their floor, but now all these guys can throw now. Like they, we're in an era where all, like all the athletes now are passers too. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, you know, Kyler Murray. These guys have broken kind of the the molter. We've even seen two historic passing seasons the past two years from guys that people didn't believe had passing ceilings, seasons uh, ceilings available. And mm-hmm. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, they taught no one believed that the 2019. Uh, Lamar Jackson was in his range of outcomes. No one believed 2020 Josh Allen was in his range of outcomes. Not even, I don't even think the Bills and Ravens did. Uh, right. But you go back to last year, um, among the 11 quarterbacks that averaged 20 or more fantasy points per game, only Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady had single-digit percentage of their fantasy points come via rushing. And the average among those players was 20%. Uh, so, I mean, you just have to have this archetype uh, at the fr- at the head pin of kind of your your calibration of setting fantasy rosters, uh, these guys are kind of the deal breakers. They make it hard to go late round quarterback because you can't arbitrage what we were arbitraging in the late round quarterback game. When Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and Tom Brady were the the pace setters at the position, we could arbitrage their passing points. We could get a, a get a percentile of what they were producing through the air. But now these guys are putting all time passing seasons together with these rushing seasons of 600 rushing yards and pr- producing eight to 10 rushing touchdowns, you can't arbitrage that. There's no way to, to take that away uh, to take that later in your, in your fantasy drafts. So fields and Lance are the guys that kind of fit that bucket. I mean, fields as a passer was absolutely tremendous uh, coming into the NFL, all poor uh, prospects since 2000, 97th percentile career touchdown to interception rate, 94th percentile career completion rate, 93rd percentile career yards for pass attempt. Um, just, I mean, it's crazy he's gotten dragged throughout this process, but I don't mind that because the guys that have recently got dragged, Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, like the league's been completely wrong on those guys. So I'm not really worried about it. And it's not like, I don't think he'll fall to Lamar Jackson levels of being, you know, taken at the, the doorstep of round two anyways. And then Lance is just a dude, 6'4", 225 pounds. He has that Konami upside like a Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, the last time we talked about Jamar Chase producing at age 19. Now he did it in SEC at wide receiver instead of the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, but you know, the last time we saw Trey Lance play a full season, he was age 19. He threw 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He also ran for 1,100 yards and had 14 touchdowns on the ground. Mm-hmm. We talked about the conference play. It's a bummer that North Dakota State had to push their season back to the spring. Uh, because they were going to open the season with Oregon. We would have to see him play a power five school to open the season last year, but you know, COVID kind of took away that from us. But uh, we were talking about just upside from a fantasy sense. That's all I care about. I don't really care if these guys are really good, <laughs> you know, quarterbacks. I know a lot of we're in draft mode and people do, uh, but from a fantasy stance, those two guys fit everything I've built my entire fantasy brand on. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, they, they really. I can confirm that. Yeah, you, you've been you've been touting Russian quarterbacks since Terrell Pryor, you know, and the Zoomers don't even remember Terrell. He was a wide Pryor. receiver to these people. Yes. People don't even know he was a quarterback. Right, right. He was most recently uh, a, a fantasy wide receiver, but no, he 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 was first a a guy who would throw for a hundred yards and two interceptions and score nineteen fantasy points. Uh, and uh, you know, but getting back to Fields and Lance, Fields, Lance, and to a much lesser extent, Taysom Hill. Our our le- last Denny. Wait 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 uh, you, I think you are incorrect. I think that both guys will see significant playing time. That's my favorite thing about Lance to the 49ers is everyone's like, well, he's going to just sit a year. He's I'm not. Like, he's not, he's not going to no sit. Way that if sit. Lance Field goes three and Jimmy Garoppolo plays at the level he played at last year when we see him in that Seahawks game and we yeah. see him in that Dolphins game that he makes it through 16 games. The 49ers would basically have to be have like an undefeated run or be like lose one of their first eight games for it to happen. I will just say, say what you will about Jimmy Garoppolo. The only game he has played in the past year was not an exhibition against Central Arkansas. So I could yeah. maybe see the Trey Lance sitting longer than some rookie quarterbacks. Now, he's not going to sit 16 right. games. Like you said, unless he becomes like like the Alex Smith 2017 12-4 yeah, right. type run. But I could maybe – so would you take – Rich, would you take Justin Fields at number two overall if uh, you were the Jets? I mean, I know that's clearly that's not happening, but do you like Justin Fields enough where you would take him number two over Zach Wilson? Or do you view him as like the solid locked in number three quarterback in this class? Oh, yeah, I have him too. I think he's a, you know, I'm listening. This is, I care more about the fantasy side, but I mean, just based on, based on my model, uh, he looks, looks so head and shoulders, even above a guy like, like Zach Wilson and, you know, the strength of competition and, you know, your guy at Roto World Thor has really highlighted, you know, Zach Wilson in these, these, these games of where he's actually faced a, comp- a competitive defense, you know, his, his production falls way off. Uh, you know, we've seen the clips of, you know, the BYU games where just Zach Wilson's had no pressure, like ever, like in his, in his collegiate career, he's got just highways to throw through, uh, you know, it's, I'm not anti Zach Wilson because I think this quarterback class is awesome. I'm also pro Mac Jones. I just like whoa, Fields whoa, whoa, whoa. and Lance. Reeves, we'll, edit that, we'll edit that part out. Um, I'll be, I'm on the record that I'm even pro Mac Jones as well. I just don't like him as much as those other two guys, and especially from a fantasy stance uh, because – those guys just have so much upside. I mean, you you can walk into a season where you don't even you because we need the passing production to come eventually to get to like that apex. But they don't have to have it as rookies. Like they're, they're, if they want to be runners first, they're usable in fantasy. Whereas a guy like Mac Jones and even Zach Wilson to a degree who is mobile um, are going to have to have their passing ceilings hit earlier uh, than the Fields or Lance will. They can get by and be fantasy assets while still being bad quarterbacks. Real quick, if I could, on on Wilson, on Zach Wilson, uh, I, I think you can group him a little bit into that that rushing mm-hmm. upside ish type type quarterback type late round quarterback because and he will be a late round quarterback. Now Fields, Lance, depending on how the preseason unfolds, how 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 things look in August, they're not going. They might not be late round, but Wilson will be, and he averaged seven rushing attempts per game in thirty games at BYU now you talked about the competition obviously that's always the caveat but you know we're talking about 70 ish 
uh, rushing attempts per game. That's that, you know, that's not nothing. And Wilson is going to start 16 games as long as healthy. Like he's going to start week one. That's right. Right. I, I said 70 per game. I meant 70 per oh, season. 17 games. I should say now, because we, we haven't had a game. Oh, yeah. I mean, he won't start because he'll, he'll like break a rib or something. And so we'll do quarter rookie quarterbacks. I feel like almost never physically. Wow. You already through. broke a man's rib. This season. <laughs> I feel like rookie quarterbacks never physically make it through the, the 17 game grind. <laughs> the rigors. The yeah. The, those 17 game rigors, those famous mm-hmm. 17 game. I will say, by the way, I like Zach Wilson. And maybe this is because they look physically similar, but when I watched Zach Wilson film, AKA three cutups on YouTube, <laughs> someone he really, really reminded me of in college was Drew Locke. Um, he was Drew Locke without the mind numbing throws. He, he basically reminded me of like positive college Drew Locke uh, without the constant negative plays, even though there were some negative plays. Cause he kind of goes like big game hunting. Uh, Zach Wilson is a very, very, interesting prospect to me and i'm glad we're not like fully condemning zach wilson Um, yeah i feel like that's part of the what's happened through this process of everyone being so pro you know fields is that it's turned into like a dunk on the other guys yeah yeah i mean this this quarterback class look is just looks awesome to me it it arguably looks like one of the best quarterback classes since i've been doing this and i want all these guys to be successful man Except for Mac Jones, who actually also reminds me of Jimmy Garoppolo when I watch him play. And he'll probably be fine. He'll probably be good. Smart people. I know nothing about evaluating quarterbacks and people who do claim that he is actually good. Richard, if you had the keys to the NFL draft, uh, which running back would you actually take first? And we've been talking like the Steelers, you know, being like the most likely possibility I guess maybe the Bills now emerging is a first running back possibility. But yeah, say like you've been told you have to draft a running back in the first round, even if you don't want to, who would you actually take? Who 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 wins the sweepstakes? The cry I the 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 reason my family would know I've been kidnapped moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I am uh, you know, I talk a lot about archetypes and fantasy. That's like kind of what I do. And you know, the one guy that checks every box is is Najee Harris. I mean, you know, 230 pounds workhorse back he accounted for 66 percent of the alabama touches last year that was the highest share of all running backs in his class now we talk about him being a a monster a behemoth 230 pounds six foot three uh but the one difference you know of him being that size is like he's an elite pass catcher uh last year he caught 43 passes uh and not just dump offs he almost was 10 yards per catch he's running wheel routes getting downfield targets um, among all backs that have been drafted since 2000, only Steven Jackson and Saquon Barkley have more final year receptions than Najee Harris does entering the NFL. Now, those guys were early declares and younger backs. That's the one knock on Najee Harris. But I actually think he played his cards right. If he comes out last year in the, the context of that draft class, he's caught in the muck of how good the top of last year's running back class was. He goes back a year, scores 30 touchdowns, sets the SEC record, puts his name on the map again, and now he's arguably going to be the top running back selected. If not, mm-hmm. he'll be the RB3 at the lowest, uh, whereas last year he could have been the RB6, the RB7, when you've got the Jonathan Taylors, DeAndre Swifts, Clyde edwards Hilaire's, uh J.K. Dobbins of the world last year. Now, I don't know where he goes, if it lands. I mean, I, I don't know how anyone could have watched the Steelers play offense last year, and you said, you know what will fix this offense? A running back. Right. Uh, I mean, this team has no offensive linemen. They lost three starters from the offensive line last year. Pouncey retired. Uh, Villanueva still an unside free agent. Matt Fire goes to the Chargers. Uh, and this is a team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, that have been dead last in EPA rushing the last two seasons in the NFL. Uh, so, I mean, it's a little tricky. 
but when you're talking about box checking those boxes, we know that Najee Harris is not going to lose goal line carries. He's a true workhorse. He's going to play all three downs, uh, and he can catch the football. And those guys in fantasy like are a dying breed uh, in the in the era of compartmentalization backfields. Uh, that's what I look for, um, and he has the kind of that ceiling to be one of those three down guys. Uh, Steelers uh, general manager today, uh, Kevin Colbert, said mm-hmm. that uh, you know said that running back you know, certainly matters, uh, that, um, you know, that he will, he won't shy away. He won't log off. He will not, log off. <laughs> he will not, uh, you know, give into the haters. Um, and he won't shy away from using first round capital on a running back. He confirmed that today. Um, you know, the fantasy wise Harris goes to Pittsburgh, you know, and he becomes what rich you were saying, you know, and, and every, presumably in every down back who, who can excel, uh, as a pass catcher as well, which you'll probably need to do in that Steelers offense with that terrible offensive line. Um, it, the thing is, though, you're going to have to pay up. Like, you know, he he's not, you know, fantasy managers are not going to look at that kind of running back taking that kind of role and say, right, and say, well, I'll leave him for, for third or fourth, fifth round. It, it, you're going to, it's, it, he's going to come at a premium. Uh, so you might as well just, if he goes to Pittsburgh, you might as well just put him for me, you know, someone who's usually fading first round running backs, you, you might as well just cross him off the list. So Kevin Colbert will never log off and Denny <laughs> will never surrender. Never. Basically is what that comes down to. I will say, I think, I think I'm leaning Travis Etienne and especially through like the Steelers. When I see Travis Etienne, to me, he like almost looks like Le'Veon Bell, like in a receiver's body. Like he's very patient. He like shifts very easily. He's got very quick hips, very balanced. I'm a running back evaluator. You are. Yeah, you couldn't uh, tell. First and foremost. Yeah, if you couldn't tell, that's what I spend most of my time doing. But What's happening here? He quick really hips. does. He strikes me as very Le'Veon Bell-esque. And I definitely understand the Najee Harris uh, case too, which Rich made very well. But especially, the Ste- I mean, it's hard to look. So the Steelers, of course, they're only going to draft a Le'Veon Bell clone, right? Because they've had a... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, it's like he, to me, he looks very Le'Veon Bell-esque. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Steelers front office saw the same thing and maybe Etienne's the pick, but it is, it's very hard. Uh, He's the home run guy. Like if you want like an explosive player at running back, because Najee Harris is like the workhorse guy that can kind of do it all. And Etienne is like the, the upside back. And he let all college backs with receptions last year. Uh, he was just, a beast his first three years and Clemson lost four offensive linemen to the NFL last year uh, and his yards prior to contact dropped off almost a full yard than it was in 2019 but over Etienne's career he scored at least one touchdown in 46 of 55 career college games and 24 of those touchdowns came outside the red zone with 17 of those from 40 yards or longer uh, Brandon Bean has kind of made the quote that like he has kind of had the hint of like our backs don't have uh, a home run hitter, the kind of explosion that you would kind of look for. So if there's any like smoke uh, to that, or there's any fire to that smoke that Brandon Bean said, at the end could have some truth being like the kind of guy that Buffalo's looking at after they kind of took two high missed tackle prospects the past two years, Devin Singletary <laughs> and Zach Moss, who are just average athletes and kind of just been average producers in the NFL so far. Um, if there's any truth to that kind of, you know, comment that he made, at the end would fit that bill more than any back in this class. We're running out of time because I've lost track of time in my personal nightmare <laughs> that I haven't been doing that. I hope again, it's hope not very evident to the listeners, the hell I have been going yeah, through no, today. We've been recording for eight and a half hours. Yeah. 
I think we're in hour nine of the podcast. It is quite a shame. Um, I'm so hungry. Uh, I, I'm going to slightly, I was going to ask Rich his three favorite pass catching prospects, not named Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. I, I'm going to narrow it down to one though. Right. Who, who is your the pass catcher you would have to have in this draft if you miss out on Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts? Well, I don't want to go with like another. I don't want to go that far and just say if I miss out on Chase or, or Pitts, I'd go this guy because I'll just go like outside of the top guy having the top ten that I like the most because uh, everyone's talked about the top ten guys kind of ad nauseum at this point, anyways. But uh, my favorite like guy that's getting like a groundswell built up is Nico Collins uh, in this draft class. Uh, he's like one of the lone like clashers. He's six four, two two hundred fifteen pounds. This is the this is the smallest wide receiver class over the past twenty years. I saw Kevin Cole had a tweet on is that. Is it really? That yeah. makes sense to me when you watch these guys. That like that feels true. That's interesting. That's empirically true. Yep. So I mean, we've got one of the few guys that has some size that can because a lot a lot of this class coaching staffs have to get right from a fantasy stance. Like if you like Rondell Moore. A Kadarius Tony, a Dwayne Eskridge, a Jalen Darden, like coaching staffs in the next level for fantasy you have to get those guys right because they're not going to score a lot of touchdowns. They're going to need a lot of volume and they're going to need, like I said, a, a staff to inherently want to get them the football out where Nico Collins is one of these guys that can basically go anywhere and be good at what he's good at. Uh, you know, winning downfield, winning in the red zone. And he was a remarkably way better athlete than anyone assumed. I always like to go back to what these guys were coming out of high school and Nico Collins, he was a four-star recruit. He had offers to Alabama, Clemson, uh, Florida uh, ultimately choose chooses Michigan uh, because if you remember at that time uh, he joins the khaki brigade uh, because <laughs> the Duke of the Duke of Dockers was literally the hottest coach uh, on the planet at that time. Uh, you know, he, he had, he had awesome success at San Diego state, awesome success at Stanford, awesome success with the 49ers. Uh, the, the dolphins almost were going to trade for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and if you look at the Some amount of four and five star recruits, that left Michigan. He recruited Tariq Black, Devin Asiasi. All these guys end up transferring out uh, because the offense isn't what they thought. Nico Collins does, and he stays. He doesn't play this past year because he, you know, due to COVID. Um, but in terms of when he did play on the field, he was he was productive. He turned 17% of his catches into touchdowns. That's ninth in this class. 17.8 uh, yards per catch is 11th in this class. He outproduced a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who people like last year while he was there. Um, if he goes to any of those other colleges, the story could be different, uh, differently written for Nico Collins. In uh, a sea of slot men, uh, Nico Collins stands out as one of these guys that can kind of succeed in any destination he goes to next level. Do we like Rashad Bateman? I was kind of hoping you would say Rashad Bateman. I was going to bring up Bateman if you gave me three. So he was going to be the – I was going to go with a top guy, a, a middle guy, and a late guy. And Bateman was going to be like my early guy I was going to back up for. Collins, my kind of like middle like stump for this guy. And then my late guy was going to be to Marion Terry. But so. Rich, it sounds like you're trying to exhume the corpse of team big wide receiver, which of course was was buried in 2015. <laughs> but we are ready to you know be resurrected. <laughs> I'm not all the way there. Like I've definitely come around uh, over the the, the the glory days of uh, us yeah. fighting over size and girth uh, <laughs> and understand the value of uh, separation that matters a lot. I mean, you look at what the yeah. Bills did with Stefan Diggs, like and not in the year prior, not even the trade for Stefan Diggs. The year prior, they go out and they sign. John Brown and Cole Beasley, more undersized guys, because the Bills really put an emphasis on, we know what we have in Josh Allen. He has to see to throw to make it. That's the type of quarterback he is. Instead of getting him guys that he has to throw 50-50 balls to, why don't we just sign a bunch of guys who just get open? And look at like what it happens, works. you know? Uh, and so I definitely have come uh, around to the dark side of like eval uh, 
valuing separation over guys that tend to be yeah. clashers. Cause the one thing that these guys do in college in college, if you have to rely on contested catches and Pat brought up and Harry earlier in the show, and he's kind of one of the guys that kind of pushed me way over the edge is if you have to win so much in the contested catch game in college, it's going to be a problem in the NFL. Uh, yes. So, I mean, that that's where it is. We like these big body guys, but like you have to have the whole package. We, we want to be like T Higgins is a great example. You can win the contested catch game, but you can also get open. Right. Uh, we don't want you just solely relying on jump balls because you're going to end up turning into JJ or think Whiteside. And right here's what the the I don't know what the future of the NFL is, but here's what it's not: pocket passers and big wide receivers. That's that's definitely not it. I don't want to pile on Nikhil Harry, but to me, so literally the way I evaluate prospects is I I do I'm the class I watch like three or four YouTube cutups from like FF astronauts. Good account, by the way. <laughs> It's a good account, by the way. It's a real. Oh, it's account. a real account. Yeah, it is. And and like Nikhil Harry, even to me, like I was like, this dude never separates. Everything has to be a contested catch. So Reeb, I agree. That is like the biggest possible red flag for a college receiver. Ten second answer, Reeb's. Would you rather have Devonte Smith or Rondale Moore? Uh, Devonte Smith. I was hoping this. Yeah, uh, Devonte Smith. I don't. I'm not really enjoying the cancellation of Devonte Smith, but I think he could probably still be an elite NFL player. Um, he does weigh 20 pounds less than I do. That's actually not a joke, um, which is probably a problem. But I, I just I, I want Devonte Smith to have a very successful NFL career. I'll say that. Uh, and with the, I'll end that with the show. Devonte Smith, uh, we love you. We're all rooting for you. We all think you should go in the top five. Rich and Denny both told me that before the show that they think you should be a top five pick. Um, uh, Rich, thank you so much for being here. Denny, uh, we have a lot, we're going to have draft content all week on the website. We have Denny's zero RB series rolling on, on the website. Rich, uh, what do you have cooking for draft week? Uh, you know, uh, I'll be working all the instant draft write-ups on Thursday night. So as players get drafted, I'll have instant reaction pieces, up there uh me and dan pizzuta just did like we just broke down every nfl roster uh, over the past month so we'll get a nice reprieve and i'll be back more on like the fantasy stance afterwards because we'll have landing spots you know come next week we'll be updating rookie ranks season long ranks all that stuff and then the schedule is going to get released like you know two weeks later and we're going to be right in the heart of like really breaking down what's going to go on this season so keep in mind everything that i do do in the off season is open to the public there's no paywall on anything i do in the off season so everything i have up now you can go explore at sharp analysis.com uh, i miss all you guys my NBC brethren <laughs> uh you know anytime you guys extend an olive branch i'm always here to support you guys no, and Rich remains truly one of the most must-read people in the industry. Yes. Check it out all week. Check it out all off-season. I mean, Denny and I will be stealing from Rich plenty I, over the spring and summer. I so. fully plan on it. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I, and I'm not even going to pretend. Yeah, yeah we, well, that's the thing. We don't. That is the good. It's not plagiarism as long as you say you're stealing from Rich legally. So legally, just, yes, yeah, that's true. Just <laughs> announce that you're stealing from Rich, and it's great. <laughs> Rich, thanks for being here. Denny, until next time, we'll catch everyone on a good football show later in the week. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.